Hi there, friends, and welcome to this episode of Burn Your Draft, the podcast exploring the Reed Senior thesis process and experience. Have you ever wondered how Foucault's idea of space might be combined with dancing for nine hours in a techno club? If your answer to this question is a resounding yes, you'll be thrilled to meet comparative literature and dance major Saroa Lear, who's here to take us on an adventure from the nightclubs of Berlin to the depths of the Reed College Library. Take it away, Saroa. My name is Saroa Lear. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I'm from Tacoma, Washington, originally. Um, And at Reed, I studied comparative literature with an allied field in dance studies. And my thesis was called Assembled and Undone, Bodies Beyond Subjection, which I wrote with Monica Lopez-Ledma, who's just the absolute best. Comparative literature is such an awesome interdisciplinary major that I would love to hear more from you about. And it's also so cool to see it paired with like this allied field of dance as well. So could you just tell me a little bit more about like what it means to be a comparative literature major and then also how you tied in this extra aspect of dance? Yeah, totally. Well, the comparative literature part, I think I came into my freshman year and it was really mostly through a love of just critical theory and philosophy. I took this class with Christian Kroll, Drugs, Gangs and Aliens, and we just read so much theory and my mind was completely blown and I was obsessed. Um, And so I think comparative literature just really gives you the most freedom to combine critical theory with all these other interests that you might have. And also just like Compared to a lot of other majors, I think there's not as many um, requirements. So you have a bit more freedom in what kinds of classes you take. You don't have to do the like old English traditional literature stuff, which for me, I really am not a fan of. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so so that's sort of how I came into Complet. And the dance thing, I mean, this is something I've done my whole life. This is like my big passion, I would say. And really, I almost didn't come to read because I wanted to just pursue dancing and not do academia um, at all. But um, luckily they let me do an allied field in dance studies, which oh, cool. hadn't really been done before, but. Um, wow. Yeah. 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 It's the first time. It's nice. How did that kind of all come together into this thesis, this assembled and undone bodies beyond subject? Like I see we've got bodies in the title. So I'm kind of seeing how dance might get wrapped in there, but um, oh yeah, it's all about bodies. How 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 kind of did this culminate into your thesis project? I mean, really, I think in a lot of ways it's a dance studies thesis. I just think that dance studies is really not respected as a field, nor is it given the space in academia that it deserves. Mm. Like Reed doesn't really have a performance studies department. We have a dance studies, and it's great, but it's quite small. So yeah, I mean, to me, the connection seems so obvious. It's like if we're talking about philosophy, theory, literature, like, of course, we should also be talking about, about arts. And to me, the art that I'm most interested in is, is dancing. I also think a lot of the theory that I'm interested in really talks about the experience of having a body performativity, not just on stage, but sort of in our day-to-day quotidian lives. Yeah. And just like what it means to like have a fleshy body, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, to me, it's, it's so interesting and exciting. Yeah. You've got this like very heady kind of cerebral aspect in terms of like being really into theory and thinking about all these big ideas um, behind like philosophy and comparative literature. And then you've also got this, like you said, very like fleshy down to earth, like very human aspect where you're taking these and like putting them into practice, bringing them into the real world, making it something people can actually see and experience and feel. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a lot of how I got into this was that I was having so many experiences in my own body that to me, I felt like through my relationship to theory and the things that I'd read, I was able to finally give kind of language to, or give an understanding to. So like, I don't know, for example, experiences in the dance studio, or even when I'm like going out clubbing, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like this, this is an enactment of this thing that I've been thinking about. And that's really exciting to me because I know that it's like most of these white men and other theorists that I'm reading aren't necessarily thinking about dancing or clubbing Mm -hmm. or any of these sort of more bodily expressions when they're writing this stuff but um it goes together well in my book yeah in my book too I'm convinced (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah so what did your process look like constructing this into a thesis was it a lot of being physical and moving and dancing and talking to people or did you end up getting caught in the thesis trap of reading and writing and being kind of like walled up in your own little thesis world how did you kind of reconcile those two yeah those two aspects I mean, it was, it was tough. It was tough because I think the way that I came into this thesis, I think in sort of a general sense, I've known I've wanted to write this thesis since I was a sophomore. Um, And of course the specifics and it it got a lot more fleshed out throughout Mm -hmm. the year. But yeah, I mean, I came into it because of, like I was saying, like because of all of these more embodied experiences and these things that I was really excited about. And um, Uh, Yeah. And it came a lot through like physical practice. Um, Mm. And then between the pandemic and just the process of writing my thesis, it got so, so, so cerebral by the end. Like I was just spending so many hours sitting Mm -hmm. on my ass in the library, Mm -hmm. you know, reading and thinking a lot about the body, but not really engaging with my own body. And that's, and that's tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's strange to be writing so much about somatic practices mm-hmm. and just literally be sitting on your ass the whole time yeah the the closest thing to like somatic practice you can engage in like while writing about somatic practice is like I don't know maybe some keyboard yoga oh my god <laughs> yeah yeah going on an anxiety run every <laughs> once in a while and it's like I gotta do something just to keep yeah. that real world aspect in there So did you kind of build any skills through this process? Was it more just an exercise in putting yourself out of your comfort zone writing the thesis? Or do you think you actually kind of got something positive out of, you know, maybe sitting down and thinking about things a bit more? Mm. And no is an okay answer. If you're just like, it's over and I'm glad that is also like totally fine. I think honestly for me, and and I know a lot of my friends didn't feel this way, but I loved writing my thesis, you know, in some ways it was so masochistic and it was so awful. And I really like, I got really obsessive about it. Like I spent way too much time on it and it was way too long, but I, yeah, I mean, I I do feel like I got a lot out of it more so in the moment than now. Now it's like, this is the first time I've talked about it since I turned it in, you know, which is weird because you work so hard on something. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I think writing this thesis really let me take my interests seriously, you know, in in the sense that I think a lot of my interests, it's not like they're so radical at all. Um, and a lot of people mm-hmm. are thinking this way, but you know, in my like general vicinity, there's not that many people combining these interests or doing this type of stuff. And so I think this thesis process was one of really just having to like trust my instincts and be like, no, I do think this makes sense together. And I do think that there's mm-hmm. like a reason why this is valid, you know, especially 
when I'm writing about something like Gaga that not a lot of people know about or club culture, which a lot of people think is really trite. Like, why would you combine, you know, Foucault's idea of space with like dancing for nine hours in a techno club? Mm -hmm. And so I think really just like trusting that if I find something interesting, then I can push to get to, to get to the good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's the only way to do something new is, you know, the only way to, to push the boundaries of what we know and human experience and how we, how we deal with, you know, this world that we've been given is to do things that people are unsure about and people might not, you know, be super like, Oh yeah, of, of course, Foucault and, and, and nightclubs go together. Well, yeah, 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 no, completely. The fun part is that it's not an of course moment. It's a, it's like a aha type moment instead. Right. (laughs) And I think when you're so deep inside of a project, which is, I think sort of how thesis and goes for some people is that you could just get like really, really deep in it. Um, it can be easy to forget that, forget that like these things are like interesting mm-hmm. and your own and unique, you know, cause they feel so obvious when you're so in it. Cause it's like, well, of course everyone thinks this way, but it's like, no, actually only you do because you've been sitting in front of this laptop for like nine fucking hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're the only one who's spent a ridiculous amount of time thinking about this and exactly that is and the also, value of the thesis. <laughs> yeah. And in some ways you're kind of the only one that cares. Like I mm-hmm. will say that the moment I turned it in and I'm not saying that I regret working hard or caring mm-hmm. as much as I did, but like, it matters a lot less <laughs> than it did at Reed, which, you know, we all know going into it, but mm-hmm. it is kind of like, Oh, okay. It's, it's yeah, that, that was a whole year of my life and now it's right. over. <laughs> right. Like that was a whole year of my life. Really, really, really caring about one specific mm-hmm. thing and like just trying to tie everything into this thing. And then, you know, now it's, it's really not on my mind anymore. <laughs> I'm well, curious though. Sure. Let's like travel back in time a little bit to when you did turn it in. Like what kind of ended up being the conclusions of your thesis? Like what did you end up saying? Like, okay, this is what I'm trying to get out. Of. Like I've thought, I've stared at the screen for nine hours. I've done a lot of like physical movement for myself. I've done a lot mm-hmm. of talking to people and making things happen. And like at the end of the day, this is what I want people to to understand about bodies and movement and and like yeah. our relationship with the world. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think really what the thesis is about is movement practices, certain movement practices allowing for moments of a relational opacity is what I called it in the thesis. So what that really mm-hmm. means is that certain movement practices allow us to experience the body outside of its subjected identity, which is Mm -hmm. sort of like the neoliberal I that we have, where it's like, I am Saroa, I am a Mm -hmm. woman, I am X, Y, Z, you know, all of these things that sort of fix us into categories. And I, and I sort of think that certain movement practices, like the ones that I bring up in my thesis allow for a relational understanding of the self where by privileging affect, we are able to sort of feel with and through one another. And I know that sounds kind of like, <laughs> um, and I really don't mean it that way. I mean it more in like just understanding the body as a relational mm-hmm. web um, and this allowing us to get outside of like the linguistic confines or or the confines of the subject, really. That's a, that's a long answer to maybe not that long of a question. Well, if you consider the length of a thesis, I'd say that's pretty concise yeah, to you. be able to smoosh that into yeah. to just a few words. Yeah. 
So when you're talking about these ways that we can move our body to kind of maybe transcend these preconceived notions of the self that we would have, Mm -hmm. are we thinking more like improvisation or are we thinking like, like there's like systems of movement? I know like maybe like Tai Chi or yoga that might be trying to achieve a similar goal. Like kind of what, which, which side of the spectrum would you say that you were more on with your thesis? Yeah, great question. Definitely improvisation. Mm. That was really central to all of the things. So in my first chapter, I wrote about Gaga, which is this movement language um, created by Ohad Naharin. Mm -hmm. And basically the whole premise is that it's a guided improvisation. And so Mm -hmm. a teacher's in the middle speaking in metaphor, saying things like, now think about uh, your fingertips as if they were snail's eyes or you're massaging oranges with the back of your shoulder blades. And that's actually a lot of why I moved to Berlin is because there's a really big Gaga scene. classes every week it's super great it's super great but so it's it's really like it's a practice of improvisation Mm -hmm. completely um and I think it's really central to like all of my chapters that we are improvising because were the movement to be sort of fixed and codified that would kind of go against this idea of this constantly relational constantly becoming new experience of the body yeah and so in a lot of ways my understanding of dance really moves away from more traditional understandings like it's it's not it's mm-hmm. not about ballet it's not about aesthetics it's more about the somatic experience of becoming new and becoming relational always yeah just really getting down to that core of like finding movement in your body really tapping into like pleasure outside of how it's been taught to us you know i think a lot of what's important in these movement practices is that when we're given the opportunity to really improvise and be completely uncharted Mm -hmm. in the ways that we move our bodies, like shit gets freaky, you know, people do weird things with their (laughs) bodies in those cases. And I think we also are able to discover things that feel really good. And I'm not talking about sexual Mm -hmm. pleasure. I'm just talking about pleasure period, you know, pleasure and effort is really central to, for example, Gaga, this, this movement language that Mm -hmm. I wrote about. Yeah. And so I think were we to not be working in the world of improvisation, it would be sort of harder to have these more radical experiences of like, oh, okay, this can feel really amazing, you know, to stare Mm -hmm. at another person for an hour and a half and make direct eye contact, you know, like that can be Mm -hmm. a form of pleasure or intimacy that maybe in our day-to-day quotidian life, we would super not be into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's amazing mm-hmm. that through movement and dance and and these kind of improvisational t- tactics you're talking about, you can really create spaces for like transformational experiences. Totally. And that's, you know, that's uh, space, I think, is really important in this thesis. Um, each chapter really talks about the relationship between the bodies and spaces and the effective encounters that mm. can be created. And so the relationship between bodies and these spaces creates these like, I don't know, like radical moments of of potential. I'm really not arguing that like the moment you engage in these movement practices, you enter this radical experience of the self. I'm really suggesting that sometimes for like half a second or five seconds or five minutes, mm-hmm. these practices allow us to experience ourselves through a relational mm-hmm. affect and therefore have sort of like a destabilizing of the singular eye that maybe we've been taught that we have but again so it's it's potentials always it's it's like finding a really good groove or feeling Mm -hmm. a really good vibe when you go out dancing you know like it can happen doesn't always Mm -hmm. happen but it can yeah no I think those are the moments that people like like everyone knows what you're talking about when you when you kind of start speaking about it but it's really hard to put that feeling Mm -hmm. into words so yeah exactly cool that now you have a whole thesis putting that that feeling into (laughs) 50 pages of words yeah so 
now after Reed, you're taking these classes in this like Gaga style of improvisational dance that you were writing about in your thesis. Mm -hmm. So how did you kind of end up making this transition from like writing your thesis at Reed and talking about all of these ideas, maybe trying it out with friends to like now moving halfway across the world, which we were talking a little bit before this podcast, people who are listening and <laughs> lovely Soroa is in the wonderful city of Berlin right now. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about how you went from writing about these things in Portland to doing these things in Berlin and like what you're up to these days? Totally. I mean, it's actually a bit cyclical. Um, I, I can't remember if I said this already, maybe it was when we were chatting earlier, but um, three years ago, I got a grant from Reed to come to Berlin and basically do the groundwork for my thesis. They gave me, I got the president's summer fellowship. So they gave me just like a shit ton of money <laughs> to come. Yeah, it was amazing to come here and do dance workshops and also to go clubbing. That was a really important thing. And so they gave me money to go out dancing both in the studio and in the nightclub um, and then write about it. And I think that was the first time that this idea of heterotopias got really exciting to me. And like the nightclub is a heterotopia, which is one of my chapters in the thesis. Um, yeah. So really, I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of Berlin that like started this love affair with these kinds of ideas and this way of moving. Um, and so ever since I came here, I've wanted to come back and I wanted to move back. Um, and then, I mean, there was actually a period where I, I really wasn't going to come back to read. I was just going to move here. <laughs> and I'm really glad that I did um, go back to read above all because of the pandemic. You know, I, I'm so like, I feel so privileged that I was still in school for the pandemic. Um, yeah. And now you made it to Berlin as well. So you've got a best of both. And worlds. now I've made it to yeah. Berlin. Exactly. And now I've made it to Berlin. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's nice because I, you know, I get to do the things, things that two and a half years ago were so exciting to me. And now, and now they're just a part of my day-to-day -day life, you know, and now mm -hmm. I've spent a year sort of really critically thinking about them. In some ways, I think spending a year thinking about certain experiences um, and thinking about certain potentials uh, can, in some ways, completely strip them of their magic mm. and in other ways really hyper romanticize mm -hmm. them so it has been kind of interesting to be here and yeah and and suddenly have 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 it again like have it as a material reality again um and just sort of see like okay what are the ways that this falls short or is better mm -hmm. than I remembered it or like am I actually experiencing a relational affect like mm -hmm. I spent a year yep. arguing that I could you know <laughs> things like that yeah. yeah that can be kind of both like the the magic and the danger of like the hyper academic read experience oh for sure yeah, well on that note to kind of wrap things up do you have any advice for someone who might be starting their thesis now and listening to this and being like oh god I hope that I have a magical experience and not a hyper isolating overly academic experience what would be like the official Soroa thesis advice? Man, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's 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 hard because again, like I thesis in a pandemic. And so for me, like I took it so freaking seriously mm -hmm. because I didn't really have much else going on. You know, and I, I have thought a lot, like if my life were normal, I don't think there's any way I would have put the amount of work that I put into my thesis. That much effort. Yeah, because really, I mean, like spending nine hours in the library, it's not cute. Like that's not super healthy. Um, and so I, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, hopefully no one will ever have to write their thesis in a pandemic again and we'll be able to have a vibrant life outside of school. But I mm -hmm. mean, I guess, I guess that's my advice. Like 
take it seriously because you really, unless you stay in school, it's really rare that someone cares that much about an idea that you have. Mm. My thesis advisor met with me every single week and she's just, you know, like I cried so many times with her, not even because I was sad, but just because I was really grateful for her, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so I think to have one person, and if you're lucky, many people, because I had many people involved in my thesis process, which is also a piece of advice. I mean, Mm -hmm. I had my parents on my Google docs, all of my friends were reading my, like, don't do it alone. Why would Mm -hmm. you ever do anything alone? It should always be shared. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty damn cool to have people really care about what you're thinking about and really care about things that you're really excited about. Cause there's not many opportunities for that. You know, like Mm -hmm. this is the first time I've spoken in depth about my thesis since I turned it in. And that's because Mm. people don't really ask, you know, and people don't really Mm -hmm. care so much, which is fine. It's, you know, it's what it is, but like to get the experience to really like think with someone for a year, that's for me, it was, it was really great. It was really great. Thank you so much, Saroa, for taking the time to think and speak with us about your amazing thesis. Wishing you the best of luck in your adventures in Berlin and beyond. And thank you as well to all of our listeners who took the time to tune into this episode. I hope you'll join us again to hear from more alumni and students about what it means to burn your draft. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe, check out our Twitter and Facebook pages, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. The views, information, or opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Reed College. Burn Your Draft is a production of Reed College and the Center for Life Beyond Reed, created jointly by students, alumni, and staff. This episode was produced and engineered by me, Reed College student Amelie Andreas. Our executive producer is Seth Paskin, class of 1990, with technical advising from staff member Joe Janica. Our project manager is Nate Martin, staff member and class of 2016. Music by Jack Salvucci, class of 2020, and podcast start by alumni Henry Gotchlik and Lillian Pham. This podcast was made possible by a gift from Seth Paskin.